What's up, besties? Welcome back to another episode of Childlike at Best with Mike Valdez, and I am still the second part of that title. This is episode eight. Eight episodes, man. Holy cow. You just turn that over to the side, and that's just infinity. Before we get the show started, I wanted to let you guys know that I'm going to be at a comedy show called One Night Stand. It's going to be at the Roots Cava Bar in Miami, and that's going to be on Thursday, July 25th. If you're listening to this on release day, that's going to be next Thursday. It's a comedy show that's basically a play on the dating game, and there's going to be a lot of characters, and there's going to be stand-up as well. It's hosted by Abe Perez and Reggie, who was on episode three of Child Like It Best. You can go ahead and listen to that if you haven't already. It's amazing. This episode is Elaine Golden. I absolutely love Elaine. She is so great. She's a hilarious stand-up comedian, and she actually moved over to Chicago for the time being, but thankfully, we were able to get an interview with her, and I am really grateful to her for allowing me to interview her. She's really fun, and I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, Elaine Golden. school I was in fifth grade and the first season of American Idol had just come out oh no and I know where this is headed my family got <laughs> I don't know <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> my family got uh, we went to the after Kelly Clarkson had won yeah we went to the top 10 concert uh, at the big performing arts center near us yeah so I went I was really excited about it I got to see all of them I got a glow stick that was like American Idol so it was like, <laughs> oh, no. and it wasn't even like it was the first one you know so it just said American Idol not like like the great American Idol like yeah but uh when I went to school the next day nobody believed me that I went to the concert like I wasn't cool enough to see the top 10 American Idol contestants you weren't cool enough to pay for a ticket to go see them I just don't or I wasn't cool enough to stay out that late I don't know I I, sh- I even showed them the glow stick and they still wouldn't believe me like it said American Idol I had the proof of it oh my gosh that's really funny oh yeah well we started so hey everybody this is Child Like a Best with Mike Valdez. Hey guys, guess what? I'm Mike Valdez. And today I have a really special guest with me, stand-up comedian and just all-around great person, Elaine Golden. How are you, Elaine? I'm great. So excited to be here. Yeah? yeah. That's, I'm glad. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> the first thing I like to do before we get started, before we do anything at Child Like a Best, is we like to take a Flintstones vitamin. So... I have these Flintstone Complete Gummies. Oh, nice. And you can go ahead and take one for me. That would be great. Okay, great. I got you. Yeah. You can also let the audience know what shape your gummy is. Okay, I will. Let's see. These are different. Wow. Okay, this one seems to be... I should know these characters. It's like the child from the Flintstones. (laughs) It's Pebbles. It's Pebbles. So these are both Pebbles. Um, I have always liked the cherry is my favorite flavor. I know they come... The, historically, I remember it's like cherry, orange, and grape. Yeah. I always took the cherry. I'll give you the orange. Okay, cool. As you're taking this, can you please tell me about where you grew up? I mean, okay, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in South Florida between uh, Fort Lauderdale and Miami. I'm very much suburbia. Yeah, and... 
Yeah, not too far from here actually. We're in my we're in my home t- we're in my home turf. Yeah, and what kind of school did you go to? Public, private? I went to a public school. I went to the it was a pretty good elementary school, but public school. Yeah. Uh, Who were the kind of kids that you sat with at lunch? Oh, I'd say I I hung I I I've always hung out with like the pretty nerdy kids. Okay. Pretty, I had fun. No, I I mean I was very much a nerd. Just even though they couldn't believe that I went saw American Idol. Yeah, I know. So, but nerd in what way? Like a D and D nerd or like just you liked math? Oh, I yeah, I, I liked studying. I liked school. Um, yeah, I, I mean elementary school was fun. I. I remember, like, they were really big on standardized tests, and they made us learn this song. And here in Florida, it's the FCAT. Um, so I still remember the song they made us sing. Oh, and boy. it sounds like propaganda. But I, I'm not Please a good singer. It. But I'll, okay, this is the song they had everyone in my school sing as we geared up to take the standardized test, the mm-hmm. FCAT. It was FCAT. It's a great big test we take. FCAT. The Hawks are on our way. We'll do the very best you know so our parents and teachers will say hooray fcat it's a great big test and it just looped and um, that is propaganda it is wild it's so much propaganda that the end of it doesn't rhyme yeah <laughs> so our parents could say hooray our parents and teachers could say hooray <laughs> first of all if your parent or teacher says hooray stop going to that school or stop yeah. going home i remember seeing that though in like our in our like arts elective our arts little program where we were like coloring in things and painting like, it, like in choir they would yeah. teach you four-part harmony on how to sing the fcat theme song yeah. <laughs> They made us sing a lot of songs. Like they made us when we graduated in fifth grade. That's not a graduation that needs celebrated. We sang <laughs> no. like they taught us the songs to like I will fly on my parents' wings. What? <laughs> and then um, I remember I did do chorus when I was in elementary school, and I remember we sang the song Jeremiah was a bullfrog, but they adapted the words because I think the actual song is not suit. It's has some adult themes yeah i've never heard that song i don't i'm not i'm gonna i'm not a singer it's okay (laughs) so i'm not gonna sing any more songs (laughs) is it jeremiah he's a bullfrog yeah he's a bullfrog ribbit 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 hooray it's actually pretty good (laughs) jeremiah was a bullfrog (laughs) was a good friend of mine i never understood a single word he said but i helped him drink his wine okay yes he always had a mighty fine wine and i they and they taught kids this no song? no they changed the line to he was always a good friend of mine they, yeah there was no wine in our version there was no wine it was just, just he grape was juice just a, he was just <laughs> just grape juice that's great yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh i don't remember doing any of that when i was in high school in fact if any kid ever wanted to prove his love for the teacher or his parents, he would sing You Raised Me Up by Josh Groban. Mm. And, like, <laughs> that's, like, the only thing. And every teacher, like, thinks that song was written for them. And that's not the truth at all. That's so funny. But <laughs> when you were in high school, what electives were you taking? Were you taking chorus? and? 
No, I, I, I don't, I don't sing. I did band. I, I was a, I was in what did band you play? for seven years. Uh, what do you, can, you want to guess one instrument and then I'll tell you? I have no idea. I, I mean, I would guess like the easy guess is like clarinet. I know. I didn't play clarinet. I played the trumpet. For some strange reason, the first thing I thought, right when it could just be because it's a funny instrument, I immediately thought trombone. Mm. You know, and it's, it is a brass instrument, and you're technically you're si- you're seated next to each other, so yeah. it makes sense. That's pretty close. Yeah. No, I was a trumpet player. I wasn't very good though. I was very average. Uh, and uh, to be fair, the best trumpet player is not that great. Because <laughs> no one ever says, wow, you know what this band needs? A trumpet. People generally like <laughs> trumpets in there. I guess, if you're in Less Than Jake or whatever stupid ska band you're in, but that's about it. Or like a <laughs> classical band. Like, <laughs> the trumpets usually have like the melody. They play a... But I wasn't good. One time, though, I, I, I switched schools because a new school opened up. And they had a jazz band audition. And I wasn't... I wasn't very good, but I was like, let me, let me, let me do my best. I went in, um, they had music that you had to play. And then they also had an improvisation piece and I struggled with the music you had to play. And I just wung the improv piece. Yeah. Could you say, did you say, uh, can I please get just a a one word suggestion? All right. And thank you. (laughs) But I will, I will tell you, I ended up getting one of the top spots in the jazz band because the wow first chair yeah (laughs) the the music director thought when i was doing the piece where uh, you were supposed to read the music he thought i was improvising oh with that with the sheet music it is i wasn't to be fair it is jazz and the whole thing is like predicated on mistakes so it makes a lot of sense that he would think wow she's really good at jazz yeah it lasted (laughs) about three weeks and then i was knocked down to the bottom of the jazz band because they felt bad about kicking me out that's really funny oh my goodness did you ever take drama or anything i didn't i find that hard to believe because not not hard to believe but it's just something where like it's something that you do now yeah i mean i've always been really goofy and silly but i i didn't i i didn't really start performing until a couple years ago really doing comedy is it because so, of like stage fright or what, what why? no i've never been afraid i've never been afraid i've just always been a really busy person and yeah. i had wanted to try i'd wanted to try stand up everyone's always like i was always joking around when i was younger sure so it's not like i wasn't providing entertainment i just wasn't doing it on a stage well any person who's ever told the joke ever that's made somebody laugh for two seconds even a complete stranger will go oh my god you should do stand-up yeah you know just like if you ever sing a song at church and you're old, you're like a little bit better than a normal person, they're like, you should be on American Idol, you know? No, my parents, my, my parents actively told me to not sing. <laughs> <laughs> they asked me, please don't. That's great. <laughs> yeah, like I hope none of my family hears all of the songs I've sung in this podcast. I, oh my gosh, I, I love it. I think this is great. <laughs> this is amazing. I actually forgot about doing those until we've started talking about this there was a like the annie play and i didn't get any speaking roles (laughs) (laughs) i was only supposed to be in the chorus and then lay in a sleeping bag wow yeah (laughs) that's great i remember wow yeah you had to like pretend to clean and stuff yeah we did Mm -hmm. yep yep that was that was the scene it was pretty good (laughs) that's that's great so 
when you would leave school, what was the, what are the first few things that you remember being like a fan of, whether it be a book or a television show or movies or anything where you were just like, man, this is my thing. When I was, uh, I can't remember if it was elementary or middle school, I got a Red Razor scooter. Mm Mm-hmm. And I loved that thing. Sure. So I would go all around my neighborhood. Even when I wasn't allowed to go out, if it was too late, I had a little back patio with, it was paved with cement. So I'd like, I'd, it, I'd go in a circle on my own little back, small patio area for hours. I loved that Razor scooter. <laughs> and I loved, um, I liked like those toys a lot. Like I liked um, hopscotch. Yeah. Skip it. The, skip it. Where even though it would hit your ankle and hurt really yeah. badly. Skip it. Skip it. Yeah. But the yeah. very best thing of all, there's a counter on this ball, so try to keep the very best score. No, 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 Yeah, I remember all these commercials. I remember the commercial for Razor scooters as well. For four easy payments of nineteen ninety nine, you could get the coolest thing on the face of the planet. And then like it would always have this guy jumping, and then it goes in a three sixty formation, and he would land on it. Yeah, I never did any of that. Um, <laughs> I also really liked the Rugrats, but when sure. when I was younger, my mom my mom couldn't get me and my sister to pay attention to her when we were watching TV. So uh, one day she went out and disconnected the cable. Oh boy! She uh, she said cable is done in our house, <laughs> and I remember watching the screen fade to that staticky black, and uh, my sister and I. We, d- we didn't really talk much because we just watched the TV together. We don't really yeah, get along that well. We didn't back then anyway. Yeah. We were watching it. It went, it, fa- it went all fuzzy in the middle of the episode. We start crying. Something's clearly very wrong. We, run to our, we ran to our mom and we were, we were like, Mom, Rugrats is gone. Rugrats is gone. And she said, I know. I, I cut the cable. <laughs> um, she's like, I'm, I'm sick of this. It's done. We're gonna, people are going to start paying attention. <laughs> oh, uh, no. And I actually, I think um, it, I, this, this whole experience is pretty indicative of my childhood. Because when they, my mom ended up canceling our cable for the rest of, I didn't have cable for, even now for the rest of my life, I haven't had cable since. Yeah, yeah. But um, when the cable company had her take an exit survey, they asked her what provider she'd be replacing them with. And she told them the public library. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and that she was right. She stuck to her word. That's something that I find so interesting and different about you is that a lot of your pop culture knowledge is predicated on whether it was in the library or not. <laughs> oh my and gosh. that is so freaking funny to me. <laughs> oh, well, actually, yes. I mean, we had the regular TV the, with antenna TV. You still had all those like... I still watch cartoons. I loved Arthur. Yeah. In the in the morning, I love to watch. Even still now, when Arthur comes on the TV, I watch it, and it just makes me. It, 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 I enjoy it so much. Sure, absolutely. Experience. I do remember liking Arthur quite a bit. Arthur is also like a pretty popular library character as well. Now that I think mm. about it, isn't aren't there like a lot of Arthur books and stuff? There are, but I had Arthur before my life was altered drastically <laughs> by my mother's. Man, that's and th- that's crazy, man. Pretty much everything you would every, everything you would watch was like Civil War documentaries. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm sure, like in like 2006, the library was like, 
I guess we'll put like season one and two of Curb Your Enthusiasm or whatever, but. <laughs> okay, don't knock the public library. They have so many great resources. There's a whole DVD section. I actually volunteered there in high school and I helped sort things. It's got so many. Re- they, okay. You know what's funny is you could have given me two guesses and I would have gotten it on the first guess that you worked at the library. <laughs> It wasn't. It was hard though. It was. It was two hours. It was a really long shift. I got really good <laughs> at. No, a really it, long shift. It felt so long because well, you're at the library, Elaine. <laughs> no, because you have to remember which letters were next to each other all the time. <laughs> that was a lot of pressure. How do you not remember what letters? No, are you, because you'd get. Did a they thing. teach you a song as well? The ABCs. <laughs> okay, Mike. Thanks no, for kidding. the sass. Uh, no, it's because I did four-hour shifts at the the hospital near me I worked at the front desk of a hospital and those went by super quickly I think it was because of the library I was working alone but when I yeah I volunteered I was in high school I was also in um a service club the key club Mm -hmm. so I helped I I helped actually when I changed schools I started the new club forgive my ignorance what does the key club do it's a service organization so okay okay they're the high school version of Kiwanis if you've heard of that or seen their signs on the road Mm -hmm. so yeah it's sponsored by um, Kiwanis clubs help uh, high school high schools start a key club so Mm -hmm. I did we we don't we don't make keys we don't do any of that (laughs) I mean that was that was the I'm not. The dumb joke I could have made, but I was just like, I I'd saw it in be. your eyes, Mike. I saw it. But I said I'd rather just be a better person yeah. and not make fun of it. Um, I, can, I, I still see in your eyes that you regret not saying it, though. No, I don't <laughs> regret not saying it. I don't. Sure. I really don't. I actually thought, <laughs> not that you make keys, but I thought that it was like those clubs where you wear, you wear gloves and you like hold bells <laughs> and you like make music. Doing bell, like those bell things. Do you remember those hand bells or whatever? I do. Um, I, I thought that was the key club. No, I, I never I never had any bells. One time in elementary school, I got chosen to, I was one of 20 students from my elementary school that got to leave elementary school to go to a Hispanic Heritage Celebration. Wow. And there were flamenco dancers. Yeah. And I remember those, like, castanetas, I think they're called. Yeah. Castanets, castanets I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh so that was the closest I got to bells. The it was very South Florida. Yeah, it is very. It was very at South Florida. Um, that big. Oh, it doesn't matter. That it big, does matter. The location. Uh, do you know that place off of five ninety five? Oh wait, that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> it's, it's a huge venue. I I've been there for so many things. Like I thought. I like, thought you were gonna give a detail about your life. No. That's why I was like, it completely matters. It's about you. It didn't matter not about at the all. location. <laughs> Like yeah, that you're right. No, that doesn't no. matter. I mean, if if I was a more outgoing um, young whippersnapper, <laughs> it could have been the location of my first kiss. But I waited. I waited a long time for that. Yeah, you waited till marriage. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Oh man, still waiting till marriage. Still waiting till marriage. <laughs> you gotta wait till marriage before you kiss, or else it's naughty. Yeah. That's that is very true. <laughs> I remember that. Speaking of kissing, because it's naughty. Did you ever go to summer camp? <laughs> I, I thought you. I, I did not know that's where you're heading. I thought you were going to go back to being in band. <laughs> no, uh, I did go to summer, summer camp. camp. Is where all the summer flings happened. I didn't go to sleepaway camp. 
You didn't? No, I, I went to the park next to my house. Because, oh, okay. Because it was the cheapest, and they yeah. would take both me and my sister. You went on quote-unquote field trips where they would just take you bowling. Yeah, they would take. They took us bowling. They took us to laser tag. <laughs> they took us to oh, the wow. pool. I remember going to the pools, and people would scrounge to have like enough, like twenty-five cents to get those giant pixie sticks. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the they were too heavy. They were you didn't nobody needed that much sugar. Mm-hmm. And then they would consume way too much sugar, and then go swimming, and then yeah, they were they were super long. And then once you were done with it, mm. that would be like the slide they would go down because it was mm. that big of a tube. You know, so let's transition a little bit into our next segment, which <laughs> it's just tough with you because you have a very different kind of <laughs> kind of childhood <laughs> because your your pop culture references are like Rugrats and Gettysburg. <laughs> so Why are you so? Like, <laughs> so it's just like I don't know what to do. You're really into Gettysburg? No, okay. Let me try to. <laughs> I'm completely joking around with you. By the I way, I can scrounge my brain to for all of the youthful references. Yeah, you, in my stand-up, I do no pop culture references whatsoever. Because That's okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm cool with when it. When we're on the same show together, it balances because I do all the pop culture references. Yeah, um, I I watched a lot of Friends and Seinfeld. Yeah. So those were my shows. I remember watching Sex and the City pretty young too. Yeah. And it it actually got some pretty good advice that I've used whole life. Well, really? What is that? I remember there was an episode where um, one of the one of the friends she had realized she had never. Um, gotten tested for STDs, mm-hmm. and she was so scared by the whole experience. And then because of that, um, I am a, I think I'm I'm a more a conscious and aware person, and better at uh, <laughs> basically I'm much better at I think I'm much better at talking about sex than a lot of other people okay. because of that show, particularly <laughs> making sure any partners have been tested. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is really not childlike. You yeah. Think- no, it, it actually is because it rolls back around to how in the beginning you were all about tests and now you're really into this one. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I'm also into just living life. <laughs> you have a song about STD testing? and No, I don't. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say I, I, I grew up Unitarian Universalist. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar. It sounds familiar. Please... It's like, um, it's a non-denominational faith, and it's sort of, I like to call it agnostic plus. It's a lot of moral foundations without the dogma. And when I was in high school, they had this program, it's called Our Whole Lives. Mm -hmm. It was basically like a sex education slash relationship education class. And I found it super useful, because at least public schools here in, public schools here in Florida don't teach you very much. And they just, they, I remember they even talked to us about relationships and they would present a scenario where uh, someone was in a bad situation or things went awry and just talking through who was to blame and, or who, like, who had the most responsibility in a situation. And even just talking about that at a young age, recognizing how complicated situations around relationships and yeah. sex are, I think it was very helpful to have that That is very knowledge. helpful. To kind of talk in, in a serious way about that, I don't know how I would feel about my own children, but it's definitely something where, like, growing up, going to Christian schools and things like that, where it was like, Timmy had a girlfriend named Becky, and one time, they touched each other. Now they're both dead. And, like, that was every story. It, you know what I mean? Not, so it's just not like, it would scare you. Mm-hmm. 
it would scare you away from like relationships and and so much so that like and I'm not even trying to be funny but like it it just it got to a point where I was just scared to be with the opposite sex Mm. you know what I mean and I was like scared to like even talk to people like you know or have like a normal relationship much less anything else yeah you know I think that that's just so unhealthy I guess it's meant with the best intentions, but it's just one of those things where it becomes an extreme. Yeah. Does that I, make sense? Yeah, I do. My other career background is in, is in policy, economic policy. And there, a lot of it is like what your intentions are one thing, but the effects of the policies and the programs you implement are another. And I think people are so committed to, um, uh, so oftentimes so committed to, teaching a certain message that they don't they don't follow through with the long-term implications of them yeah so. and not only that like it's just something where i guess maybe it's like i don't want you to turn up like me or like i don't know what it is you know it's just something like along those lines and then you just end up at least in my case you end up becoming this like weird mutant thing that's like not them but also like the worst of the good you know what i mean where it's just like he's like too bubbled and too crystal clean you know what i did in high school to break out of the crystal clean well <laughs> my friends you got and I, dirty we were <laughs> my friends and i oh my goodness we were so nerdy and we were so oh, no. no we didn't do anything well what we did was there was a hooters near us that of course there was <laughs> they were on, always next to a church <laughs> Once a week there, they had a biker night where all these motorcycle, like Harley Davidson people would come dressed in all black. Mm-hmm. So when we were in high school, we dressed in all black a couple of times and would go to Hooters and just hang out in that biker space. <laughs> we oh didn't, my gosh. That was the extent of it. And I remember one time when we were leaving, my friend didn't bring a change. She, she just left her house in the clothing she was going to wear yeah. instead of changing like the rest of us did. Right. Once we were, once we were out. Yeah. So you wouldn't and get caught. And her sister, we weren't even that, I don't know. It, we weren't even, we were just maybe slightly more dolled up than normal. Yeah. But her sister called her out and she said, you're going somewhere. <laughs> we, we almost got busted. One time. <laughs> we didn't get busted. But that was, that, I, that felt so rebellious. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? I just wanted to, yeah, that was, that was how wild I was then. My rebellion is, was so tame like, compared to so many people, you know, like that's like relatively tame to where even a normal person would be like, oh, that's pretty tame. My rebellion was like at maybe 20 years old. I was like, you know what? I think I'm finally going to watch Harry Potter. Wow. That was my rebellion. You know? Because there was witchcraft and wizardry. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch any of that stuff. <laughs> and it's just like, to me, if you truly believe in God and all that stuff, doesn't it just mean that you're being soft by being like, no, I can't watch something that mm. tampers with my faith because the moment I watch something that tampers with my faith, I'm going to start believing it. Like, sorry, dude, you're soft in whatever it is that you believe. Yeah. Because to me, it's like, I watch The Matrix and I don't ever feel like picking up a gun and shooting someone. 
I'm glad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I watch it because it's entertaining. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't tamper with my beliefs <laughs> yeah. on guns and violence yeah. and things like that. I just watch it because it's fun. You can appreciate fiction. Of course. Regardless of your religious foundation. I don't think a lot of Christians can. That's <laughs> uh, what I'm saying. There's some, it's some internal doubt about whether their beliefs are fiction. Yeah. And like, that's just the thing that bothers me. You know, I mean, granted, there's plenty of people that believe in God that agree with what I'm saying right now. Yeah. My general philosophy is, you know, if someone's, if someone doesn't want to watch something like live and let live, but if yeah. you, if you were de- uh, deprived of the wonders of Harry Potter, then that's, I was deprived of a lot of things. You're so, <laughs> you're so informed now, which is, it's surprising. Yeah. Did you catch up after the fact? I think so. I think when I hit college, (laughs) when I hit college, I got really into pop culture. I got really into pop culture a little bit during high school because I would like sneak things around every now and again. I'm trying to think of like some other things because I I even remember I would like sneak watching stand up in high school and things Uh, like that. I snuck watching a book reading a book okay wow. I, I mean read, technically you do watch it i well i was reading a book i remember i got this this book from my grandma and i was supposed to go to sleep at like 10 or 11 and i took a small flashlight tied a string to it put a push pin in my ceiling so that the flashlight would go right over the book wow. so i could wa- read the book all night and if my mom or dad looked under my door it would look like it was dark in there that's crazy yeah. That's really, really crazy. I'm a rebel. I love it. That's awesome. I don't know if I did anything like that. I definitely remember this. Like in college, I got really into like bands that I couldn't listen to mm. that are like well-known classic rock bands. Like like in college, I discovered Queen. And like uh. a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you not know? It's like, yeah, I mean, I knew like we are the champions and we will rock you because like I've seen the mighty ducks, you know, like I've seen movies that yeah. play songs like that, but I just didn't know queen, you know, like that. Well, I didn't yeah. know journey. Like I did, I, I knew they had songs that were in movies. And in fact, I actually talk about it on stage every now and again. But when I was a kid, there was this whole deal with like, Oh, if you get a record, like a certain record and you play it backwards, it would it say like, the devil. it would say like, I worship Satan or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, the joke that I say on stage, which is true, you know, if you if you play Stairway to Heaven backwards, it's an escalator to hell. You know, like that's the joke that I would say on stage. And then I found out later on, like I did research on Led Zeppelin because I ended up being a huge fan. I ended up loving their stuff. Yeah. And then I did some research because I was just like, I like these guys. And it turns out they're really big Lord of the Rings nerds. Okay. And they loved Lord of the Rings. So a lot of their songs are about Lord of the Rings. So the joke that I say on stage is like, little do they know that if they played it forward, it's kind of a Christian song. Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Because Lord of the Rings is a Christian book. Were you, you know, <laughs> that's funny. Were you only, oh, what music were you allowed to listen to? Christian music. That's it? Pretty much. That's fascinating. Yeah, my parents were very liberal in what I could do. Yeah. As long as I didn't hurt or maim anything, you know, it was fair game. Every now and again, I would get away with like getting CDs that were, as the Christians would call it, that were secular CDs, but it was because the band name sounded Christian. Wow. For example, Newfound Glory, you know? <laughs> mm. 
Like, I would be like, yeah, they that found sounds him. like faith. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's Backstreet Boys finding salvation yeah, in the back streets. In the back streets, yeah. It's because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In sync with the Lord. Yeah, they're in sync with the Lord. Yeah, it's they're 98 degrees. It's because they're red hot with faith for God. Yeah. Yeah, we can we can go on forever. Britney Spears, the daggers that put yeah. Jesus on the cross. That's the spears they're referring to. No, they're referring and to Britney the spear spears. that the, the Roman used to check if Jesus was actually dead. Oh, wow. You and have a lot more information yeah, than I do. That's the spear that they're talking about. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Christina Aguilera. Aguilera is the, what they would shout whenever. <laughs> they would whenever actually she... play Christina Aguilera music at yeah. um, at the Last Supper. That was the that was yeah. what was in the in the. How system. funny would that be if they're just like eating and you just hear like, "When will my revelation show?" You know. <laughs> that sounds pretty nice, actually. Thank you very much. Uh, by the way, that was that was Christina Aguilera. Thank you so much for coming, Christina. That was great. That's uh, that was that song she sang from Mulan. That's so funny. You remember I wanted, that movie? Oh, I do. I like I like Disney movies a lot. I watched them. They had them at the library. Okay. Yes, they did. <laughs> also at Blockbuster. Blockbuster existed too. Yeah, but the Blockbuster isn't the library. I didn't live in a cave. I know. <laughs> I, know you, I know you didn't live in a cave, but I'm just saying like. There's just certain things I, I just I just thought, you know, oh, well, all, a lot of everything you got was from the library. And that's OK, because I know they had a DVD section. I know they had things. I think you need to go to the library. And no, see. I've been I've been to the <laughs> library. I know they have like a vast Christian section. Yeah, they have a vast video option of all the different languages of Passion of the Christ and God's Not Dead 1 and oh 2. Oh my gosh. I did want to tell you one story I had thought of when yeah. I was thinking about. I don't know if you did this in a, in private school, but when I was in when I was younger, particularly elementary school, we had to sell things to make <laughs> raise money for the school. So yeah. we sold wrapping paper, we sold we, uh, we sold other things in a brochure. But there were prizes if you were a top seller. And one of the top prizes for my elementary school, which I never got and I was so bummed about, was you got to take a limo ride meal, meal ride. So you'd go, you'd leave school what? for lunch. You'd take a limo and That's... then you'd have lunch at McDonald's. That is such a Home Alone 2 way of a prize. People got it and I never I never sold enough wrapping paper Wow. to to get it. But I didn't know if private school had things like that. Yeah, we had we we sold wrapping paper, we sold sweatshirts, we sold yearbooks. There was a thing that we also did where it would raise money for our our class trip as well, and it was called snack break. And every it, it was like school had like an intermission around like ten or eleven. And everyone would go downstairs and, and we would all sell bagels and donuts and Gatorades and things like that. So that's how we would make money for, for like senior trips. Um, and we also did like a, a senior camp in, in the very beginning, which I, I have some stories. And I think episode one, I talked about senior camp and like all the things that I did. I pranked some kid. It was the first week of school. I pranked this kid so bad that he never came back. Oh so <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad. Oh, we had like... We did like a Christmas store thing, and what was great was like 
you know, everything was like from $1 to $5. And they were like little knickknacks that you can put in people's stocking. Oh, that's and cute. so we would sell it to to all the people that's like, oh, you can like fill up your stocking for your parents or something. And that's how we would make money. So, but one of the the highest selling thing was a fart bomb. Do mm. you remember those? Yeah, I do. Basically, it was like this little aluminum bag and you would pop it. And then it would expand, and then it would blow up, and when it blew up, it smelled like rotten eggs. It was awful. However, if you got a couple of them and threw them at the ceiling vent in front of the school, or (laughs) on the roof of the school, it was hilarious. Wow. Sounds Uh, like you did a lot of sales in high school. It wasn't really that. Uh, To be completely honest, it actually wasn't that... I was all about it. It was a requirement for us to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It was a requirement. The so, Lord's work. Ex- <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Basically, the whole thing was like, look, we, we know that it sucks to have to stay after school for a couple of hours or whatever. But if you do these things and you sell, like, they basically did the math to where it was like, if you do your sales, even if you do a crappy job, you're going to be able to go on the senior trip for free. Mm. So it was, it, but if you did really well, then you would go on the senior trip plus have spending money. Yeah. And we went to like New York and, you know, we, we went on a really good senior trip. It was really yeah. expensive when I was in band in high school and they had us, we could sell candy, mm-hmm. boxes of chocolate, Hershey's boxes there's 52 bars yeah i did you could that sell each of them for a dollar i sold uh thousands of dollars worth of candy that's crazy so much so that in my freshman year of high school the other freshman at lunch would yell to me candy girl <laughs> at, when they wanted candy oh, wow. <laughs> which is i would go through the portables and the different the different things um I, and i ended up switching schools my sophomore year so i got a new start and i was no longer known as candy girl (laughs) which was nice wow that's crazy i do remember selling chocolate as well but i was like so lazy about it my mom was a teacher at the school she didn't teach high school she taught second grade and so basically i would just give her all of my stuff like i would give her my chocolates i would give her the the catalogs for people to buy like all the knickknacks or whatever and then I would just, like, collect the order forms from all of the parents or whatever. So, like, I basically never did any of the work unless it was, like, for snack break or the after school, like, selling pizza or, like, whatever it is that we were doing. The car washes, you know, any anything like that. I was good at selling because I was a Girl Scout. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's... They train you. Yeah, they train you. They even told us, you don't ask, would you like to buy Girl Scout cookies? They, you have to ask. How many Girl Scout, how many boxes of Girl Scout cookies would you like to buy? <laughs> so that the default answer is at least 30. Well, first of all, that's a great marketing trick. And second of all, Girl Scout cookies are so good that it takes a lot of willpower for somebody to say no thank you. Yeah. You know, because they're just that good. Do you have a cookie of choice? A Girl Scout cookie of choice? Thin mints. Oh, Thin yeah. mints in the from the fridge. I like them cold. My family likes them frozen. Have you tried yeah, that? Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. I like cold chocolate is really good. It sounds really strange if you've never had it, but it's very, mm. very good. It's it's a really popular thing in Europe, apparently. People, oh. people from Europe love it. It's um, like fondue, but different. Yeah. <laughs> it's like bread, except it's chocolate and it's not bread at all. So... <laughs> so going back to... 
different things from childhood. Did you have a specific cereal that you liked eating? I liked Cinnamon Toast Crunch a yeah. lot. Do I, you still like it? I haven't eaten it. I I actually now I have I don't like s- sweet things in the morning anymore. Yeah. So if I have cereal, it's usually it's usually in the evening as a snack. How funny so. is that? That like when you're a kid, you want that stuff in the morning, but when you're an adult, it's just like so mm. much better before you go to bed. And sort of like what you were saying, the one thing my parents were sort of restricted were probably sometimes like things like cereal. So I couldn't have um, Reese's Puffs, mm-hmm. those cereals. So when my friends would have them at their house, I, I would, I would, I would have like three bowls sure. of Reese's Puffs. Absolutely, those are so good. Yeah, that is really good. Do you remember any of the weird commercials and how they would treat? the the cereal like it was a drug i remember yeah so even cinnamon toast crunch the taste you can see mm-hmm. yeah yeah that we, luis diaz he was a guest a couple of people ago yeah and he was talking about it and he was like talking about how frustrating it was to watch how these scientists whose job it was to see things uh, could be like we can't see anything <laughs> and then all these kids are like look you moron it's yeah. a taste you could see yeah, that's very much like the this poor rabbit trickster for kids. Yeah, always did you felt ever bad see, for that rabbit. Did you ever see the Applejack commercials? Tricks. Yeah, that's true the, too. I remember in the Apple. I, I, I jog my memory. I'm having a hard time. Applejacks. So in the Applejacks commercials, <laughs> there was an animated apple <laughs> and an animated cinnamon stick, mm-hmm. and they would they, they got they like get into a fight. They get super mad at each other, and then they charge each other. They're like, ah! and then they just like explode, and their like body, their their like blood is like. <laughs> Is the pieces? the little crumbles, the little pieces of whatever it is that's on the apple jacks? Wow, I mean, goodness, there's like so many weird commercials for all this stuff. But anyway, I wanted to talk about that because our next bit is about cereal. So every episode, I like to review a new box of cereal. Yeah, cool. I like to get cereal that pertains to my guest in some way, shape, or form. Okay. So. <laughs> did you go to the library? <laughs> I, I did. And uh, Cheryl says hi. And <laughs> so, Elaine, I spoke to my sponsors over at Funco. And by sponsor, I mean I love them and I buy all their products. And by spoke to, I mean I tweeted them repeatedly and they didn't get back to me. So I what I got for you. I'm dying. Elaine Golden is... Funko brand Pac-Man cereal. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's the tasty treat that's fun to eat. And they're little yellow O's. And when you take a little bite of it, it looks like Pac-Man. Oh. You know, because shapes. <laughs> I like that they, yeah, that they make you take the bite to create the shape. You definitely don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I will. I honestly just said that because I just wanted to make a joke. But to transition into more recently, let's talk about stand-up. Yeah. When did you start? I started just about two years ago. What was it that inspired you? Was it a specific comic or was it just like you just wanted to perform and that seemed to be like the thing that called to you? Yeah, I had always wanted to try stand up and then 
A mean guy who I didn't think was very funny told me he was doing stand-up, and I was like, well, if he's doing it, I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I just started. <laughs> it definitely Honestly, wasn't me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't even know if this person does stand-up anymore. Probably We're, not. I don't think so. I've never seen them um, perform, but since, since I, I hadn't, yeah. So I haven't seen them perform, but my, 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 the catapult that got me to really do it was really, po- it was possibly spite. Okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, I had always wanted to perform and I was sort of, I think what I realized and what I've learned, per- like even as I've, as I've been doing it this past few years is that, uh, a lot, it's standups really hard, especially the first six months. Of course. So if you want to give it a try, I, like you should just go for it because you're, you're not going to be great your first first six months. And for me, I just sort of believed before I started that everybody that was doing it was really was really was really great or had s- developed already some sort of skill set. Sure. So for me, just this one really vivid example of someone who I, I who I I don't know as a as a, a sort of a foil in my journey <laughs> <laughs> i felt like i f- you know as as you're talking about this person uh you're being so vague that it's scaring me into thinking that it's possibly me <laughs> and i don't <laughs> and and i know it's not true <laughs> no no because it can't be we didn't i've meet never said before anything. i started yeah also i've we never met before you started also i've only said good things about your stand-up <laughs> So I don't know why it would be me. I think it's, I think it's, I don't know. This is, it's. It's it's, the narcissism and the depression together. Yeah, yeah. It's a gnarly combination. No, no. And I honestly, I'd always wanted to do it. And part of it was I had, when I was in grad school, I had to take some time off for family and health reasons. Yeah. So I was here, I was back in Florida for almost eight months. And um, after after getting getting everything in order and when I was about to go back to school I had a I still had a, a, a couple months before I would go back and start school and I had that time and I had the space and I said okay I'm going to write a set I'm going to go do it and then uh, I performed and it, it 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 was it was it was fine enough I enjoyed being on stage I enjoyed it was a pretty big open mic that I did for my first one down here yeah. with an actual you know stage that's high up off the ground and a and a crowd of 40 50 people so i enjoyed the thrill of it honestly i think i don't i don't i don't i don't do drugs so for me stand up the the sort of adrenaline rush you get from it is is very much akin to it's it's definitely a high of course yeah Yeah, absolutely and you started so you started here i did and then you went over to new jersey new jersey and then you started doing stuff over there as well yeah i started here i only performed a couple times here before i went back to school and i was in new jersey for um for about maybe six or seven months and then uh, i had two months off before i uh, i finished my master's degree so i went to chicago for two months Mm -hmm. and that was so helpful i was about six seven months in when i when i showed up to chicago for two months and just seeing seeing so many different comics perform and people who'd been doing it for decades and just seeing them at that level really, yeah, I, it really motivated me to step up my game. Yeah, of course. It's not necessarily that it's going to go bad because like, for example, my first set that I ever did went pretty well, but it was later on watching and it wasn't even that I was bombing. Like I was doing fine. 
Uh, but it was just like in my own head, I was just seeing that people were better than me. And I was like, in my own head, I was like, I either need to get better or get out. Mm. You know, nobody was telling me that, but that's just what I was thinking to myself. And it became a motivator. What I'm trying to say is that that moment is going to happen to everyone in stand-up. And that is what separates you from being a stand-up comedian and someone who's done an open mic a couple of times. Yeah. I think I'm always trying to find ways to improve my craft and try try to push myself on stage in um even just the types of jokes i tell uh i i spend some time i i don't do a lot of one-liners but i spend some time trying to write uh trying to write one-liners just to work them into my set or just have them as something in my toolkit and uh and now i've got a couple but but i now it's just it's sort of i i view it sort of as skill development so that i have i have all these tools when i want to create a certain type of set of course so that's always a good thing to have in your in your tool belt for sure. Do you have any stories about shows or open mics like weird moments that you've had? Oh. Uh I've been running a a, a talk show. It's more improv comedy talk show. It's about an hour long. Yeah. An hour long show down in Miami called Digging Deeper. Mm-hmm. And uh I started a segment to open the show there that uh it's sort of I've always been just I sort of in line with your being multidimensional. Yeah. I love writing and performing, but I also yeah. just like being goofy on stage. Of course. So I've started opening the show where uh, it's a beach themed show, you know, the setup, beach umbrellas, boogie boards, uh, towels and whatnot. So I, com- I I started this segment where I come out in the beginning in a bathing suit and it, I guess it's <laughs> it's not sexy, but I guess I would say the dancing is akin to a reverse striptease where I then put on my show thing from the bathing suit where I put on my suit jacket and my jeans and I That's get all really ready funny. for the show. And then at one point I like pump myself up to to a mirror to like getting ready. But the audience is right there just watching it all happen. So I would say I've really uh, part of before I ever started doing stand up and performing in general. I've always been sort of a person to to get the party started sure. and it was really nice for me in a show format to find a way to incorporate one of the quirkier aspects of my personality of course. into a little bit to open up the show. Yeah. So I've enjoyed that a lot and um I sort of like that that improv style format where it gives a little more flexibility to do somewhat more alternative type comedy of course and then i've had the privilege of doing your show a couple of times yeah and what's been really fun about that show is that neither you nor i know what's happening yeah and we're kind of finding out together and that's kind of what makes it fun you know yeah it's kind of like sometimes yeah and sometimes it means that we have real moments on stage or we make each other laugh or you know like things like that i (laughs) i remember at one point (laughs) i can't remember exactly what it was but you said um you you asked me some sort of a question and i was playing this character that i love playing uh it's he's a five-year-old named caleb and he has a youtube channel and he uh i was playing that character and you asked me something you were like uh if you could if you could have anything 
was it was it if you could have anything in an elevator or something like that? I can't remember the question. It was like something like if you could have anything in an elevator, what would you have? And and uh, and as a five year old, I answered a toilet, mm. and it just like it broke both of us down. Yeah. I remember us. <laughs> I remember us both laughing like like real people for a second. Because we had this realization of like, man, that would really make life a lot easier if there was a toilet, <laughs> you know. If you were stuck in, in an elevator. If you yeah. were stuck in an elevator, it would yeah. be awesome if there was a toilet in there, you know. And we just both started laughing at that. I That's that's like some of the more fun things that happen at your show. I don't know if you've had it with, with everyone, but there's always, at least the ones that I've seen, there's always these moments where there are these real life moments where we yeah. like look at each other and we're like, man, this is crazy that anyone is even watching this. <laughs> you know, this I, is really funny. And then we performed together at Supercon this past weekend. Yeah, we did. And that was, that was wild for me. I'd never performed at a con before. Yeah. How did and it feel? It was really nice. I think the audience was so, it was, it was different than a regular standup show. Pretty brightly lit room, sort of akin to a conference and like a like a meeting space. Yeah, and they were so sweet. So I did one joke where um, I turn, I do a little turn, and when I turn around, people wooed, and yeah, yeah. and then it was just I I think what I what I like and what I've learned from improv that I bring into my stand up is uh, trying to focus on my performance as a relationship with the audience. Yeah, so making sure that that connection is really there, and I think that's what i think my set changed so much on stage from what i had planned to do based on their reactions and i'm i'm trying to get more comfortable where i almost like have all my bits in my mind and then and i have a general order but Mm -hmm. being flex being a lot more malleable with the audience and having that being able to just mentally skip and move bits for the flow of the space and i i like that it's almost like I view stand-up as a puzzle in its own right and then a puzzle with the audience I'm working with mm-hmm. and trying to sometimes the iterations the the different orderings I come up with in a show end up being how I I do it I plan to do it in the future because it's just worked so well and it was more natural than I had even considered so I loved Supercon they were so sweet uh and yeah. and I just yeah I love I love that connection with the audience and that even, yeah, even if it's not the best set in the world, if you could see people are really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be the best set in the world. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really, uh, I think those are the moments. That was one of the nicest shows that I've enjoyed in, in a good while. Yeah. You can definitely, the thing about that show, you know, for, first off, you were there on Saturday, the last night, which was by by far the best show that we had all weekend. Uh, I was lucky enough to do all the shows, um, and I. It was weird because, you know, when you came in, you were like, "What do I? What should I expect?" And I was like, "I honestly just don't know how to describe this to you." Yeah. You know, because it's like it's everything you've never experienced in your life all in one in one thing. You know, where it's like. Even on even on Saturday, you actually had more of an advantage because there weren't conference tables in front of you. Yeah. Uh, on Thursday and Friday, we had conference tables with chairs 
uh, at like a regular panel at a Comic Con would have with actors being like, I'll take the next question, and uh, this is what it was like for me to work on Adventure Time or whatever it was, you know. So we we p- would perform behind those tables. So it was like the weirdest thing. You would perform in front of an empty crowd that wasn't facing you and then a crowd that was facing you. Yeah. It was super weird. Did anyone get on top of the table for the earlier shows? Lisa got on top of the table for the first show and she like laid down on the table and did and did some of her jokes like that as well. Uh, That's what I would have done. Yeah. So there was that. Um and it was fine. I mean, we made jokes about it and it was and it was fine. And it's also just strange because like the ceilings are super high. So and and also like the it's a it's a long room as well. So it would take like half of a second for all of the sound to reach the end of the room. So the laughs were delayed. Yeah. And that was really weird to get used to. Uh, at least your first time, it's it's kind of weird to get used to. I got used to it by that Saturday. I was like, oh, I know how to, I know how to do this now, you know. Um, and also something that I learned doing it that many times was the looser I was, the more fun they were having. Yeah, you know. So it was just like they wanted me to make fun of their costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, like they wanted me to to go off into the crowd and like you know, and say something, you know, like, for example, you weren't there, but there was a show where, uh, the show the day before, there was a guy that was, he was dressed in like a a shirt with a floral pattern and, you know, jeans and, and he had a hat on. He wasn't cosplaying. He just looked like a guy, Mm -hmm. you know, but ever, however, everyone else was cosplaying. So the joke of that thing that I made before I even started my set I was like, uh, I, I made jokes about how that guy looked like the guy from Jurassic Park. And like mm. everyone, everyone was laughing because they were just like, out of all the people, like there's literally someone dressed as Slender Man with stilts on. Wow. You know, like there's like all these kinds of things and you're going off into the guy that looks like a normal guy, you yeah. know? <laughs> and so like I made fun of that. And then, and then it got this huge laugh because I was like, you know, out of all the people in this room, you look like the guy that would actually sell dinosaurs to the government. And then yeah. he just, uh, the room just went insane, you know? So that was way more fun, you know? And that's also another thing for me is like crowd work really scares me. Mm. It just, it terrifies me. I hate going into the crowd because of two reasons. One, because I'm scared that they're going to retaliate and they're not going to like whatever it is that I'm joking about. And two, that I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. And that's Mm. the last thing I want to do. Yeah. For me, when I, part of the reason I started doing improv about a year ago was I had a hard time with crowd work in terms of feeling like I was losing control of the situation. Yeah. And it very much, as I've worked on it, as I've worked on it, it's sort of, if you can manage the crowd and you can interact with them in a way that, um, is helpful and to the to your performance is actually more control over the situation because you're directly engaging with people. Um, Richie Lisa, comedian from, um, he splits his time between here in Florida and LA. Mm-hmm. He once um, uh, he once mentioned something. You you can do crowd work where you're you're not mean to anyone in the yeah. audience, and it can be more conversational than attacking. Yeah. And I found that um, I found that like. 
just a pr- I, I had always viewed a lot of crowd work as very antagonistic with a crowd yeah. and hadn't seen it done a lot where it was pretty positive. And it even took me a while to not default to being defensive when interacting with people. But I found that a pretty good framework of trying to approach situations with audience members from a place of curiosity um, as opposed to making them the butt of a joke. Yeah. Or you can use their interactions to make yourself the butt of the joke, you know? There's lots of different ways to do it. But I found that that framework helpful for me. Yeah, it just, for for me, it just depends on the situation. And mm. usually I'm pretty good at reading a room. And I'm pretty good at being like, these people aren't going to find me making a joke about this funny. Um, but I felt really comfortable at Supercon making fun of the crowd. You know, not, but I, and also because I wasn't making fun of them. Also, I was just your like, people. yeah, like I wasn't making fun of them. I was just like, you know, nothing. Poking to, fun. This is another thing for me. Nothing is funnier to me than something that is a little wrong. Mm-hmm. For example, South Park has a character named Butters. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I think Butters is so funny is because he's he reminds me a lot of myself. And it's because 95% of everything he says is predicated on complete innocence. Mm. and having no idea that what he's saying is messed up or wrong. Yeah, that's nice. You know what I mean? And nothing to me is funnier than that. It's just somebody that just doesn't know any better. You know what I mean? And like, and that's why I love making jokes like that, where it's like the first joke I will make is in a room full of people dressed up to the nines is a guy that is just wearing a freaking American Eagle t-shirt and just being like, it's the guy from Jurassic Park. You yeah. know what I mean? And the room is just like, how funny is that? That he's making fun of literally the only guy that looks normal. That room was super fun, for sure. It I was super that. fun. I've been working on a bit <laughs> where I talk about, um, as a white woman, sometimes cops can be passive aggressive to me. Mm-hmm. And in that one, I think a lot of the humor tries to rest in like the framing of, I'm subtly unaware of other perspectives, but are reflecting it. Like, I'm, yeah, it's, it's sort of, I don't know. That one's like, in that one, it's very much like both a lack of awareness and both the audience knows I'm actually aware. Of course. That effect. Um, I I won't get into the bit. It's still a pretty new one, but, um, but, but that one I like because of like the perceived innocence of it when I'm really mad at the cop for, um, not helping me find my hot pink backpack. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's super. That's super funny to but me. Stuff I, like that is. Great. I did like SuperCon. It's hard in South Florida, in particular, to find uh, to perform in larger spaces. Uh, the few like we've we just had the Improv open up in Doral, so that's pretty good. West Palm is an Improv. The one in Fort Lauderdale is not open right now. Um, and then once a month in fr- on Fridays down in Miami, there's Speak Fridays, and that was actually the first place I performed for, uh, like a. 100 150 plus audience yeah so um i it was sort of like i was glad i did that because then when i got to the super con show knowing that that lag would be there is a little helpful but we don't really have that many we don't have many venues to perform for large crowds which yeah i'm also leaving pretty soon yeah i know you're leaving to to chicago yeah i'm headed to chicago yeah and so, are you, I mean, obviously, you're planning on still doing stand-up and things like that. Yeah, I'll do yeah. stand-up. It's like my second job. I'll have a f- 
full-time job as well. Yeah. But my nights will be for comedy. And yeah, that's the, that's yeah. the goal. That's awesome. So where can people find you, Aline? They can find me on uh, social media at the golden Elaine, um, Instagram and Facebook. I have a page on both and yeah, uh, they can add me, uh, I'll be in Chicago in a couple weeks and uh, popping back in Florida in the meantime. That's where I'll be. Catch me on the road. You can find me on Instagram at Mike Valdez, on Twitter at I am Mike Valdez. You can go to whoismikevaldez.com to find out the answer to that question. And that is it. This has been an episode, Elaine. This has been fun. So subscribe to Childlike at Best with Mike Valdez on anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends, let's grow this family as big as we possibly can. Thank you so much for listening. You're amazing. Don't forget that. Bye, besties. 